0: hi everyone (laughs) hello a minor glitch good thing we're not live today uh welcome to arts for the health of it i am richard wilmore
1: i'm Catherine particini
0: and uh we have a really um special show today and a very fun topic and not fun topic so get your Kleenex is out but also I think we're going to learn some really fun stuff today from Marisa who is a music therapist Um, and she actually works with Hearts Need Art she's one of our musicians in residence and then her goal was to always be a music therapist and because it's Marisa and she does whatever she sets her mind out to she became a board certified music therapist Yes, and she's done some amazing amazing work in the world. I can't wait to hear.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear all the work she's been
0: doing. Yeah, and uh, she actually went to Uvalde right after the awful school shooting here in Texas, and has been working with the community there. And so we invited her on to talk about that. Um, So as a warning, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, And I just realized I should have Probably grab some tissues because I already have like goosebumps just like knowing that this conversation is going to happen yes anything else Catherine what's new with you anything
1: oh um I'm in Florida visiting my family Mm -hmm. so I'm in my my dad's office right now (laughs) (laughs) just surrounded by accounting books and yeah
0: no art in Florida are you going to be doing art with your family while you're there
1: probably most likely yes okay good plenty of art supplies it'll happen
0: okay good yeah. are you ready to talk to her i'm ready all right let's start the show come
2: along with me and i know you'll see that a song changes everything
0: hi Melissa. Hi.
3: hi
2: good how morning
0: are, good morning how are you i'm doing
3: well thank you thank Very you cool. so much for having me today
0: Of course, thanks for coming on and and sharing your experience. I wanna start out with you telling us what music therapy even is and how it's used.
3: Okay, that's a great place to start. (laughs) So music therapy is the evidence-based use of music um, to reach non-musical goals. So being able to essentially use uh, music in clinical settings Um, to reach non-musical goals, um, cognitive, physical, um, emotional, social, all different domains, Um, just being able to utilize it, whether it's receptive music therapy, recreative music therapy, compositional music therapy. um, There's a way um, to be able to utilize it for all ages. And it's a very, very beautiful expressive arts therapy. So I love it so very much. (laughs)
1: how long have
3: you been doing that, Marisa? So I, I started my music therapy journey, I guess, in 2016. And I um, entered the University of the Incarnate Word um, as a music major, pursued music therapy um, and psychology. I loved learning about um, the way music just impacts the brain, and we uh, essentially have a five-year degree. Um, I'm a first-generation college student, so I um, had <laughs> four years to do it. So. <laughs> um, and because I was utilizing all of the financial aid and things, and um, I had done, like, there was, like, 12 classes every semester. I was working three wow. jobs. Oh, my goodness. I have three practicums, and then you have, Um, your internship, all accumulating um, 1,200 clinical hours. Um, So then I became fully certified um, September of last year.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's been that, it hasn't even been that long. It feels like you've been doing it for so long because maybe because we've been talking about it. How did you even hear what of music therapy um, and then like, what made you think that's what I wanted to do instead of just, I want to be a musician.
3: I grew up, um, always loving music. It was always something that was heavily utilized in, in my household and um, throughout my family. We all had a love for music, not very musicians. Um, but I always had wanted to learn, um, And then I thought, well, maybe I could be a music teacher because Mm -hmm. in high school, I had such a wonderful, wonderful um, music teacher that just inspired me. And um, even when I didn't believe in myself, she believed in me. So I wanted to be able to be that person for somebody else. And then I had started also um, thinking about, um, I'm like, okay, well, what is out there? Um, And then It just so happened that in the Sunday newspaper, UIW posted that they just opened up um, their renewed music therapy uh, building. (laughs) Well, it was a music building, but the music therapy portion, it had all just been new and redone. And um, I hadn't heard about it before, so um, I just googled it with a very good friend of mine and i wish i had a better story to tell you um but um he looked it up and um my best friend we were like in calculus in high school and he thought hey it's music therapy it says you know uh, passion for music with a compassion for others. That sounds just like you. Why don't you go give it a try? (laughs) And I quickly learned that you also had to audition to enter music school, which I did not have preparation for because I did not have any um, lessons. So I had actually auditioned URIW singing Gravity by Sarah Rielles because I had, did not know any better. And, um, Thankfully, William Golkoman, bless his soul, he ha- saw um, something in me to where he took a chance on me anyways, and um, I essentially had been let in, let in as a, um, it's like, well, we'll have to check back in, and then if you're doing well, you know, you'll be able to stay, so I just practiced really, really hard, um. And I asked all of the questions. <laughs> and um, I'm very thankful for all of my professors. And I graduated 2020. And I was hired directly off of my internship.
0: Um, so
1: it's <laughs> amazing. Uh,
0: of course you were because you are amazing. Melissa um, <laughs> also has learned Madonna songs for me, as requested for certain oh. things. <laughs> <laughs> What I love about her is to give her a task and she'll figure it out. Uh, do yeah. you have a do you have a favorite song to perform? Do you love like when you're interacting with with mm. patients? Is there something that you love when they request?
3: Um, I would have to say, that's a great question, because whenever I'm with somebody, but is most meaningful to me is making this experience as meaningful as it can be for them. So whenever they'll ask for a song and maybe it even had some deep roots with me, like un dia la vez and doing um, a song in Spanish, um, then being able to have that connection with them, that that's my favorite part about it. Um, But somewhere over the rainbow is, you know, Richard, your favorite. Agreed, Agreed. <laughs> And there's also so many others' um, favorites. And then I think over the years, because I think uh, it was 2017 when I started working with Hearts Need Art. Wow. And, um, was going door to door throughout the hospital. And... Somewhere with the Rainbow was always a beautiful request, but um, I think learning more about the connections and the way it was meaningful for them, it has just quickly become my favorite song for um, all of those different reasons of how it resembles hope. So maybe I'll have to go with that one.
0: <laughs> Good, I like that choice. <laughs> um. Catherine, did you have any, I wanna, I do wanna talk to you about how you ended up in um, Uvalde after the school shooting there and your work there, but I wanna make sure Catherine gets all of her questions in as well, and then we'll take a break and talk about that.
1: Yeah, um, just one question I had about when you're interacting with patients um, at the hospital in particular, um, can you talk a little bit about what that interaction is like initially. And if you feel like, um, yeah, just kind of walk us through that. And what do you feel like changes during that interaction from like initial encounter to, you know, someone says, yes, I do want to, you know, do some music together. Um, Kind of give us a little window into that experience.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I think it's different for everyone, Uh, for every musician. um, I think um, we all have a different light that we also bring a different energy. I, for one, I am personally a very deep empath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I can read the room quite quickly. (laughs) So as soon as I enter the room, I can feel um, the sensitivity And um, just coming in with, you know, hopefully a very warm, welcoming presence as much as I can be, then I just come in very honest and transparent. And um, I just introduce myself and I invite them to have just this receptive listening experience. Um, Sometimes Um, being able to just be someone that holds a um, loving um, presence a brief conversation it can go a really long way Um, so in the hospital there can also be a lot of um, songs that are a bit more um, religious based Christian songs and those songs are very popular um, because it resonates with their faith so just being able to sit with them sometimes and i've even been with patients to where they had said and I'm like well can you just sit with me i'm gonna pray while you sing and then i would just sing the song again and then they would pray and um wanting to just be able to meet them where they're at uh, you know that's just utilizing the ISO principle as much as I can. And, and then there, you could also walk into a room and then they can be very lively and they could have a lot of energy. So then <laughs> I will be right back up with I'll be the and then I will just say like, hey, I'm like, my is Marisa. And I'm a musician with Hearts Need Art. And I was wondering if you love a little music today. And then they'll be like, "Yeah, sure." And then sometimes <laughs> being able to invite um, like nursing staff, um, other hospital staff that's walking in on by, um, I will see someone in the hallway and I will invite them in, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Do you want want to come in for a listen?" And um, it's amazing that just what five intentional minutes can do for someone. So. Just being intentional, being present in the moment, um, it can create a little bit of light um, that could last even sometimes more than throughout the day, but hold them until I see them again the next week.
0: (laughs) It's a great way to explain the difference between therapy and what we do at Heart Art as just um, musicians in residence or artists in residence that we have no agenda going into a room. It's just to hang out with them, really, and see what they want to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that was actually how music therapy got started. Um, It was after World War II. And um, music, it can go date back to the Egyptian times. And you used to have to be a musician to also be a doctor. That was one of my favorite facts to learn about.
1: I didn't know that. How interesting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
3: and then after World War II, um, when everything um, was going on, um, the world was just surrounded with adversity. Then there were um, musicians who actually came in to the hospital and um, they just wanted to share and shed a little bit of light. And um, it developed quickly over time. But then, um, again, um, with adversity, um, it can also be very challenging to continue to navigate your own emotions. So learning how to create that separation for yourself so that you can hold space for others and knowing, okay, this person is really experiencing this. Um, Maybe there can be some additional clinical knowledge that can be implemented as well. And then it evolved into what is now music therapy that was um, finalized all in 1950. And um, so, and here we are, 72
0: years later. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that Mar- Marisa did a lot of studying while she was in college and remembers it all very well. Um, to know your history. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Um, you... Jumped right in at the chance to go to Uvalde after the school shooting here um, in Uvalde, Texas. I want to take a break and talk about that, about why you felt like you needed to go and what you were doing there and and what you saw and and how it impacted the community. Is that okay?
3: Yes, of course.
0: Okay, good. Then we'll take a break and we'll be right back. (laughs) Whether you consider yourself
2: a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives, whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhance Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. Medical professionals are burning out at an alarming rate. Burnout can cause health workers to feel hopeless, trapped, helpless, worthless, depressed, sleepless, and tired. By joining the Heart's Need Art Gratitude Grams program, medical staff receive a personalized email and video from a musician, an artist, or writer once a week that includes a message of thanks, an encouraging song, uplifting poem, or a simple art activity. After watching their Gratitude Gram, participants report feeling more hopeful, empowered, Energized and appreciated. If you are or know a healthcare worker that would like to receive free gratitude grams, please visit heartsneedart.org. <laughs> Someone
0: keeps, I'm trying to play that. Let it play. Hold on. <laughs> of Marisa uh, doing what I requested for her, which is sing me a Madonna song while I was in the uh, hospital. And uh, the way that both, actually both of you came to the hospital when I was there and completely changed the way the room felt for me, for the staff, for uh, everyone. So I appreciate you both and can't thank you enough. Now, let's talk about your on the ground work of um music therapy when you found out that it was possible to go to uvalde and work with that community was your first did you have any hesitation i imagine no but uh i want to i want to hear your story on on what happened
3: no i had no hesitation um when i first heard about everything i think that everyone had probably experienced a lot of mixture of emotions And on that spectrum, there could have also been more anger. There could have been more sadness. And um, I personally had a difficult time processing um, that it had happened again. And the fact that I said again is the most disappointing um, part of that sentence. And when I knew that um, the ecumenical center had accessibility um, because of course everything, um, the day of, it was just very overwhelming. It was swarmed with the DA, the FBI, there were people searching for missing children and um, everything was very loud and overwhelming. And, they wanted to limit the amount of contact with the families out of respect. Um, so no publicity or news um, people could attend the community center. That was the one safe place for these families, for this community. Um, and the ecumenical center instantly took off. Um, and as a clinical practice, then we were able to gain some accessibility there. And as soon as I knew, I wish I could tell you that I actually did think about it a little bit more thoroughly
0: before I took off.
3: Um I didn't. I just knew that I'd wanted to help. I think that usually we see things on the news and we feel kind of helpless and thinking, well, what what can I do? What, where can I donate? What, what can I do to create an impact and help um, during this time? And, um, and getting over there, I, I hadn't, you know, I had been asked questions like, well, what are you going to do once you get there? I'm like, well, I'm going to figure it out. And I just brought some instruments with me and I, quite literally just showed up (laughs) and um, I you know I saw all of the FBI I saw the DA uh, there's so many people in uniforms there was Red Cross Salvation Army and especially especially that those first two weeks they were quite overwhelming with the amount of people who were coming in because they knew it was a safe place and and wanting to be able to be there I knew that I was not there because I had all of the answers and that's not why I went at all, but I was there to create meaningful um, connections and experiences for these children, for these adults and family. And sometimes that was even being the person who could create a little bit more of a sensitivity, when an FBI agent is trying to ask a child and it's like, okay, what's your name? What's your age? And they're just, you know, you know, barely four feet tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and They're just overwhelmed. Um, so I would get down to their level and then I would invite them. I'm like, Hey, um, would you, like a snack. <laughs> like, have you eaten today? <laughs> um, and then I would sit with them for a little. And then I'd say, hey, when's your birthday? My birthday is this time. And so then if I was talking with the agent, then I would say, like, oh, didn't you say your birthday was in May? Like me? Oh, what day is it again? And then they would be able to answer the question. But if you're just kind of very abrupt and they just get very overwhelmed. So sometimes that was just how I began integrating into the community was just trying to defuse some of the heaviness of the conversations. Um, And knowing that there was these very, very small windows inside the center, um, everyone was inside. So I decided to go outside because um, if everything inside was overwhelming, And I didn't have any control over um, any of those things. But um, I thought, what if I could create a small space outdoors um, in this little patch of grass um, underneath a tree? And I just grabbed some chairs and then I put my bubbles and chalk and drums and my ukulele there (laughs) instead. So then if mom or a dad had started talking, um, with, um, you know, investigators and I'm having those conversations, then I would introduce myself and let them know that I would be able to meet with um, the kiddos and, um, take them just right outside. I would let them see. And then I would even check in, um, every now and then with the kid. I'm like, Hey, do you want to go give Mama a squeeze? Um, we can go walk over there together, um, and then grab a snack on our way back or something. Um, and then that had helped them feel a lot more comfortable. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> How long were, did you spend there? Um,
3: I've been there since the day after it happened. So it's been about a month and a half now. Um, I was, and the last day I was there was two days ago, actually. Wow. Yeah. So it's. In about a, a month and a half now, and um, so, you, so what I've, I've noticed is, um, especially through these child adverse experiences, um, for me personally, I'm I'm a Hispanic female, I'm a first generation you know, student, and um, this hit the Latino community very, very hard. Um, there was a very small community. Yvalde is a very small community, and um, they were hit very, very hard. Um, and when I was there, and I would look around, um, I didn't see a lot of um, people who looked like me. Um, so sometimes I had also been able to, you know, meet with people before and clinical practice and in the hospital and um, outreach and sometimes representation also goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So um, even for a young boy or girl um, to be able to see me and um, that can go a long way too and I feel like sometimes we you know have these small windows that provide an opportunity um, to cultivate that innocence, That was lost. I'm just there to hold a safe space, a loving space, and a a space where one can be honest and transparent and just begin to learn about this new version of themselves. And because um, the thing about adversity and child adverse experiences is that they lose their sense of self For a while and they lose their innocence. The critical theft of adversity is losing their sense of identity and their innocence. And and help being able to be there with them uh, and saying, you know, like it's okay if I ask you um, you know, to play what you're feeling and you don't know, I will sit through the I don't know with you. I will sit through the big emotions, and the sad emotions. I will um, be with you um, until you feel okay again. And um, one of the biggest things that had been very helpful to you was kind of being that artsy music lady, like that one artsy music lady that was there in the community center. Um, Because every day I was like starting to bring something a little bit different. (laughs) Um, um, So then FBI had started to get to know me. Then the DA had started to get to know me. And then they began also bringing the kids directly to me. Mm. Um, And just able to talk with parents also about some things that they could expect um, over the next few weeks. Um and some things that they could do that were tangible to be able to help them. It was um, being able to have all of those conversations and being able to teach even kiddos how to breathe um, because usually um, we even as adults a lot of a lot of us don't know um, how powerful breathing is so I was teaching them how to breathe with bubbles because if you... Where to breathe in um, and pretend your belly's a balloon. Cause I would ask them and you know, like, so when you breathe in and a balloon gets a lot of air, what happens? Does it get smaller? Does it get bigger? And they would say, it gets bigger, duh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it gets bigger. So that's where our bellies have to be. Our bellies have to fill up with all the air, but then you could use like the bubbles to breathe out very, very slowly, because that's when they have to pucker their lips a little bit more, and it's the exhale. What a lot of us don't know is that the slower the exhale, um, the more impactful it will be um, for a sympathetic nervous system, um, because that's what helps bring the oxygen to the brain. So if we can teach our little ones how to breathe, if we can teach ourselves to be those role models demonstrating healthy coping skills, what I had just began to tell them is, you know, breathing is your superpower and it's something that's always with you. I mm-hmm. mean, something that no one can take away from you. So whenever you don't feel okay or you ever feel very overwhelmed, if you feel um, very sad or even if you feel very excited and you're trying to run a little bit more with your friends you have your superpower with you always and um that helped a lot
1: <laughs>
3: just being able to help them and um, realize that they had some sense of autonomy in all of these things um, that they had something that they could do um, and sometimes it was also allowing these kids just to be able to cry um, because a lot of them had begun um, almost feeling proud of themselves if they didn't cry. And they are in second grade. Um, I, I can tell you culturally that that's um, a very real thing where I'm not told to show a lot of emotions. Um or and like, just get up get on board um, and, and it's true to an extent, we do need to move forward, but we also have to move through um, our emotions and um, because it'll come back, it'll come back, it'll catch up to us. Um, so just being able to tell them, you know, it's okay if it was really scary and it's okay if you need to cry and then this, one little boy that I told that to, the way that he just cried, he was holding that in for two weeks mm-hmm. because he had cried since the event happened, and it just broke my heart. <laughs> um, but I was just thankful for when um, they just told me, you're so nice, and I feel safe with you. And if I could be able to do that, if I could be able to make them feel safe after they experienced such tragedy, even if it was for, you know, that five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, then I'm so grateful for that. (laughs) And that in itself is a blessing um, because we just, we have to learn how to rebuild the world around us and learn about this new reality this new version of ourselves that didn't quite exist before because who we are before we experience the adversity it's they're they're not quite there anymore so we have to learn how to rebuild now and teaching them how to um, find that sense of safety and teaching them how to move through all of the emotions that they experience um and being able to hold them through the, I don't knows um, it's everything. It's learning how to get up in the morning um, and just continuing to learn how to grow into this new version of ourselves, this, this new reality.
1: <laughs> I think so much of what you've been doing there, um, it goes back to what you said with patient care, where you're, really just showing up and meeting people where they are. Um, There isn't an expectation for anything other than just being present with them. Um, So I imagine like whether or, you know, this isn't about all the kids come and and you're all playing instruments together and that's music therapy. Like, it's not that it's, um, it's just being with people exactly where they are. And then whatever happens from that happens. Um, so it's just, yeah. it's really amazing to hear about. Um, I'm curious how you, um, you know, we often say in Hearts Need Art, like you can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> so um, how, do, how have you kept your, you know, like done your own self care? Um, what has that looked like for you as you continue to help that community?
3: Um, A lot of accountability, for sure. (laughs) Um, I just have to be honest with myself. For me, I do have a very strong faith. So um, prayer runs deep. And um, I know that I had so many prayers supporting me through this. I really felt um, that it was important that I went. And, um, I remember being a little nervous sharing with my family, um, because of course my family, they, they care about me, you know, sure. and they want me to make sure that in these long drives, you know, I'm not tired. So, I'm um, having to be honest when, okay, I need to, I need to be able to prioritize rest as much as I can, or, um, I need to be able to make these 15 minutes, very intentional. Um, There were some days where it could be very, very very busy. Um, And there are some days where I was able to find five minutes and I remember just running on kindness (laughs) of others. And um, the thing about um, not pouring from an empty cup is what you choose to fill your cup with. Um, Because if what you're filling your cup is not fulfilling then it won't last Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're filling your cup with these fulfilling experiences um i was surely running on love kindness and the seeds of hope that i was planting in these kids because each experience as emotionally draining and challenging it could be to hear their little voices crack when they were talking to me knowing that being able to be that safe space kept me going hearing their little voices tell me that they felt safe with me um it kept me going i remember there was this um one young girl um she's very beautiful and um she had known um every single one and um she had just gotten picked up ten minutes before, um, and then come to find out that everything happened. Then um, she, at her age, was experiencing survivor's guilt, um, and just wanting to sit with her. It took time for her to warm up, for her to feel more comfortable, and. And everything had gotten really busy. Um, So I had invited her to go um, on a flower hunt with me and see if we could find flowers around the building of the community center. And we ended up finding uh, a dandelion, um, one sunflower, and a few really tiny um, purple flowers. and then um, we just sat together. And then I sing her a little flower song. And there's this lovely woman called Miss Katie Sings, and she had developed this flower song. And um, it was teaching essentially photosynthesis, but also, <laughs> <laughs> also um, metaphorically, um, <laughs> it also teaches about life because, um, like, it's. I had essentially sat with her and then I told her, I'm like, you know, there's a little flower song. Um, I know. Would you like to hear it? And she said, Yeah. Um, and it's just, it starts out with a seed. So a little seed for me to sow a little soil to make it grow a little sun and then a shower a little weight and then a flower and then we show the flowers the little flower bouquet i just had it behind my back and then i gave it to her at the end of the song and um she had really liked it she wanted to learn it right away and she did and she had a beautiful little voice and um I just I told her you know sometimes um when things can get really really hard um there can be a lot a lot of rain and sometimes it also takes a little bit of weight but just because things get hard, it doesn't mean we can't do hard things. So being able to be patient with ourselves, show ourselves a little grace, and continuing to show love and kindness to others—it just goes a really long way. And you're still going to be able to bloom. I promise you. And um, she just gave me the biggest hug, and then she wanted to sing all of these songs. She lit up. She completely opened up and then we were drawing um, chalk art and she drew um, a, a bunch of flowers on the pavement and clouds to represent each one of her friends that had passed. Wow! And um, the entire time she was singing, you are my sunshine. Oh. And we just sat there together and um, experiences like that, I will remember forever and I'm just feel very, very thankful um, for the opportunity just to have been able to, and just to continue to be able to hold space um, for these kids. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't feel like I have any other questions for you. Uh, I mean, I have a million questions for you, but um, I think I say this a lot. But I would, I wish, I want to be you when I grow up. I, don't, I, I don't know. I, the work you're doing is so special, and you said, I think you touched on it before, that you are the, you're the only music art like. Therapist program there, right for them?
3: Yeah, we were. Uh, yeah,
0: it was. Yeah. <laughs> think, um, yeah,
3: it was me, and then, um, and then as time has passed, um, more staff has been able to come, thankfully, and then I was able to be joined um, by my very, very um, loving dear friend and coworker. Um, Elizabeth Hand. So um, then we've been able to rotate a little bit and kind of create space for ourselves that way too. Um, Because uh, initially, um, you know, I was there four days out of the week. But each time I was driving um, and then coming back. And after a while, the drive had started catching up to me. Mm -hmm. And I am just thankful that she had reached out to me and she's like, Marisa, I love you. And I need you to go sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true
1: friend right there.
3: (laughs) She's like, I'm going to take your shifts this week. Okay. Um,
1: But um,
3: she just, she allowed me to just slow down. And um, I think that's really meaningful too, is being able to, create a lot of fulfilling connections with people that you love and that care about you and allowing yourself to be loved and um, I'm still learning that part (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm very thankful for you all and I'm very thankful for my Heart's Need Art team for Stanzi who kept checking in on me at random times of the day (laughs) and um, um, for all the continuous prayer and um it you know it doesn't just take one of us, it takes all of us, and um everything that you all are doing is in action, and um, I just want to express my gratitude all the time, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you're so yeah, appreciated. <laughs>
0: Uh, right back at you, Marisa. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's. It takes a very special person to do that, and uh, I would be just a complete mess if I were there. So, I am glad that you are a professional, and they're sending you in and not me. Uh, because it's, it's important work that you're doing, and um, it should be accessible to everyone, and it's not.
3: Yeah, hey. Completely agree with you that I just wanna be a part of the movement that creates arts and health in every, every space in all places. And I just want to continue to do all of the things <laughs> that I can. Um, because also uh, I think it's important that when we are there, that we are that experience for someone else. And word of mouth goes a long way. And once someone can also experience it, experience what music therapy is, can experience the um, power of arts and health um, services, just being able to make it accessible um, for everybody, that's what helps the connection last. Mm -hmm. So that way we can be everywhere.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's a great way to end this chat with you, unless Catherine has any other questions.
1: I don't, just thank you Marisa for the work that you do.
0: Yeah, thank you for taking the time out. We're filming this on a Saturday. I mean, it's the only time (laughs) she had available. So thank you for that (laughs) alone, just taking part of your Saturday to talk to us and share your experience with us. I think it's very important that people even, To know that 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 community is still being affected and that everybody else goes along with their days and their lives continue, but it's still happening there. And you're still doing the work there, even though we're not talking about it on the news anymore. Right. That's a whole nother subject. <laughs> the whole other podcast. Yeah. Yes, and I think this is the wrong <laughs> podcast to talk about that. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Is there a way, said that people can support you or the work that you're doing? You talked about the Ecumenical Center a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned them. So can you tell everybody what that is, first of all, so people know uh, kind of mm-hmm. where you're working and, and if there is a way that people can support you or the work that you're doing
3: um, prayers go a long way and i appreciate every single one of them i feel it when um, i'm running low so thank you for that um i do work with the ecumenical center and we are a counseling center and um at this clinical practice we've created these grief and trauma kits um to be able to extend to families um the kiddos families who are in the hospital teachers and um, you could go to ecrh.org um, to be able to donate to the Grief and Trauma Kits um, and know that that is absolutely going directly um, to these families. Um, so just thank you very, very much um, for everything and even just keeping these kids these families and your thoughts and prayers is in action so thank you
0: thank you uh it seems weird to be like make sure you subscribe to the podcast but uh make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date on all of our interviews and uh we'll also keep you updated on the work that marisa is doing through all of our social media. so thank you very much marisa we love you
2: love you uh, we're glad
0: you're part of the hearts new york family everyone keep creating and we
2: will
0: see you next time thank you for
2: listening to arts for the health of it a podcast produced by hearts need art creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the national organization for arts and health you can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week. To learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of HeartSeat Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this